program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my forever longtime friend, Ricardo Rosas. Ricardo and I have probably one of the coolest get to know you stories ever, at least in my opinion. Would you agree, Ricardo? Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yes, so I made a comment to my mother that we were poor. And by um, American standards, as in North America, that was probably a little true. She has a very dear friend who we get, their story's fascinating how they, the Lodgenses got together, your older sister, Rosa. It's your older sister, right? It's my aunt. It's your aunt. Okay, as soon as I said it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, she's my aunt. She's the aunt. And they were going to be going down to Mexico to visit family and they had four kids. And so I went along as the free nanny um, with their four kids. And then they came back to America and left me for the rest of the summer there because the house was being extended for another aunt or uncle or brother or something. And so Ricardo and Betsabe and the younger siblings, we all hung out. And I thought I was Hispanic by the end of the summer. <laughs> and, and I look just enough that it wasn't totally obvious until I talked, but I learned a lot of Spanish and I went down there not knowing any, I was 13 years old. And then I don't know if you know this part of the story, but your family, you know, dropped me off at the airport. I had never flown before. Oh, so I had to go find my plane in Spanish uh, and, you know, find people. And then I got to American customs and my parents had sent me down there with no ID. So when I got through American customs and they asked me question in Spanish, I answered it, you know, yeah. and then they were like ID. And I was like, no, you know, <laughs> and, and then they started talking about how, um, I wasn't American. And then I started thinking about how I really wanted to go back to America. And as lovely as my time in Mexico had been, I really wanted to go back to being poor in America. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. had literally probably my first little emotional breakdown. <laughs> you were like 13, yeah? I was 13 years old yeah. thinking I was going, I was, they put me in like a little room and I freaked out and was sobbing and hysterical in English, which is my native tongue. And because it was like 1983 or something, they let me back in America. And that is how I stayed an American citizen. <laughs> I, I didn't know that part of your, I'm back and all that stuff. Well, you know, it was a different time. So that's why I got to get back in the country. But over the years, I'm like, man, I could have like literally not been able to get back in the country because I don't know if my parents had any photo ID of me or I had no passport. I just had a birth certificate. 
how would they prove I was their kid? And you didn't have oh. a birth certificate with you, yeah? No, uh-uh. No, no. Yeah. no yeah, different, time. different time. So I almost became your actual sister because I think your family would have taken me back in, right? I know, we would have, yeah. I don't know if you would have liked it, but... <laughs> no, I, I loved your family, but, um, you know, getting to see how not your family lived, but your family, you know, felt very fortunate for your circumstances and growing up there and growing up where I grew up in Provo, I had a different perspective of what yeah. poverty was. And you guys were comfortable, but you didn't have what most of my neighbors had. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, I want to go back to America where little poor kids don't sell on the streets. They get to yep. clean houses. That's better, right? Because it gave mm -hmm. me, I, I gained a, I gained a worldview. So when people don't like America, I'm like, why don't you go live somewhere else for a while and not Monaco, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't you tell the story of give us a little bit about um, you and how you came here and your life because there's so many things I know I know so many things but I want you to talk. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know uh, it, it's so interesting because when I first met you, um, you know, you came with my aunt and my uncle, and you guys arrived late at night. We were all excited every time my aunt Rosa will come for vacations and she will do that maybe every three years or so we all get super excited and everybody is like cleaning the house and making everything just look nice you know and you came and my sister becky and i um i don't know why we always have kind of like a huge interest in english language uh-huh i began to learn english um you know in, in mexico you go to schools and you take english classes you know and Right. They teach you some of the very, very basic things, but you never really get to practice it. And and I remember um, learning pronunciation from songs, from pop music. <laughs> so I will listen to a, back in the day, a vinyl record, and I will stop it. And I try to write down what the song said if I didn't have the lyrics on the vinyl. And, and that's how I began to learn. Really, I will sort of mimic the pronunciation that I heard in the song. And right right learn learn english with pop music you know that was hilarious but it really helped me a ton and i love music so it was just a perfect combo and then when you arrived i thought this is the chance to be able to learn more and to practice and i remember that very first night you and my sister and i were talking to past three in the morning yeah <laughs> and i don't know if you remember them and rosa came out of one of the rooms and she said isn't that funny that people that cannot understand each other had just talking until so late at night and we were just laughing and it was just really sweet because we had a really super fast connection and we felt like we could be friends forever you know it was really yeah. it was really fun and it, it's just one of those things that even though we didn't understand everything that you were saying and I'm pretty sure you didn't understand everything that we were saying no, I didn't have any, any foundation in Spanish when I went there, but I came back and did. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I am pretty sure that, you know, we, we developed this nice friendship and, we and, did. and, and it was and just it, one of those things that started wiring my brain a bit uh, because after um, we met you and, and I began to practice a little bit more of the language, it's so, it's so interesting when you learn a new language, at least for me, 
at the beginning, it felt like you were listening to um, to music notes. Or the best analogy I can give you is the language, because you don't understand what they were saying. It, it was more like sounds, okay? Right. But later, what I began to do in my brain is to visualize the words that I knew. So instead of translating the words, I began to visualizing the word with the object or the action. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I never really thought, oh, table, mesa. No, I just, I thought table and I saw a table visually. Right. So yeah, that's, it, a, that's brilliant, actually. From what I've studied of linguistics, that's a great tip for helping people instead of trying to memorize a list of words or translate them. the object. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And later down the road in my life, back in 2010, I actually took a dyslexic uh, test and I'm dyslexic. So the <laughs> dyslexia specialist told me, I'm surprised you learn English because dyslexic people cannot learn languages very easily. Cannot. <laughs> so, yes. so anyway, it, it was just one of those things that was really really cool because uh, really to me, learning the language is what changed my life, you know? Yeah. And when, no, I, I, I'm Latter-day Saint and I serve a mission. And after my mission, um, the, the whole story about coming to America is really interesting because um, Lita's mom was involved in a foundation and the group of the foundation planned a trip to Mexico and and it was during Columbus Day. So they all flew to Mexico and Native American <laughs> friends of, of Chicago. That's kind uh, of funny, tacky, <laughs> to have a go to Mexico on Columbus Day. I'm like, who's there? There was some big event, <laughs> the, there was some big event in the pyramids. I remember that we yeah. took them to Teotihuacan where the Pyramid of the Sun is and all that. Yeah. And there was some big event for all Native American tribes from all over the continent. So it was pretty impressive, very cool. But I, um, it was this is after my mission. I practiced English during my mission. I read the Book of Mormon in English when I was in the mission. Um, I practiced English when, with, whenever I had mission companions that were from the US. And it, it was just one of those things that I always had this strong affinity connection. Don't ask me, it was just something that came natural to me. And when they came from the foundation, they met me and we took them around and, and it was really neat to get to know them and understand more about their culture, the Native American culture. And it was a different perspective for me from just your average American. It was just really, it kind of opened up more things in my mind about, okay, yeah, the United States is more than just what I think it is or what I see in the movies or anything like that. Thank heaven. All these things. More than just the, <laughs> the, that, that girl that talked too much. And <laughs> <TV>. <laughs> so um, after um, their trip, I remember that one of them, uh, Arlene, uh, we were taking her to the airport. Arlene Williams. Yeah. Arlene Williams. And we were yeah. driving her to the airport and driving the whole group. And I remember she asked me, because my family calls me Ricky, and so she called me Ricky too. And she said, Ricky, what are your plans? You finished your mission, what are you planning to do? And I told her, well, I have to work and save enough money to go to college. So again, my family is not, uh, in Mexico, she would be more like 
middle class. We weren't super rich to afford because tuition in universities in Mexico is more expensive than BYU. So you have an idea. It's, wow. it's very expensive. So very and, few. Yeah. Very, very few, few kids would have the opportunity to go. And and the government universities, as far as I remember back on those days, we're talking more than 20. In fact, two days ago, um, the 24th, it was my, let's see, it's 20, around 28 years. Let me see if I'm calculating correctly. Um, I think so. It was about 28 years since I came to college here in the United States. So it's been a while. I've been here more than half my life now. So yeah, it's yeah. so interesting. So she asked me that and I responded that I wanted to, to save money to go to school. And that, that was it. And later, that was in October. In December, they called me and they said, hey, we have a Christmas present for you and we have a full ride scholarship for you to come to BYU. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I didn't sign any form. I didn't filling any application. They never look at my grades or anything like that. It was something that I was not expecting. Yeah. And it took about a year or so to be able to do all the paperwork and everything. <clears throat> and, and then I finally came uh, with my student visa and everything. And I went to the English language center at BYU and took a couple semesters of English language to be prepared to, uh, to attend to uh, an American university. And I didn't get into BYU at first, but I got into Ricks College back in the day. Uh, graduated from Ricks College with an associate in <clears throat> illustration graphic design. And then I transferred to BYU in Provo and I got my BFA in graphic design. And that's what I've done in my profession. And now yeah. I'm a marketing manager. And, and it's just been kind of interesting because when I think in retrospect about how things work out, um, it's just one of those things that I always felt that I was going to end up over here. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, you never plan those things. You know, uh, I feel that you're guided. God guides you. And, and, and it's a great and- example of how, um, you know, they say, you know, and, and, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but that doesn't just apply to like wealthy people. I mean, here, you, my family was, would be considered below middle class for America. Your family was considered middle class, but probably had equivalent to what my family had. It was just the comparison standard. Yeah. Um, I remember your, your um, I think your grandma took us to a neighborhood where all the kids lived in shacks. Yeah. And my mom had had me bring down a bunch of bouncy balls and she'd had me pay for them with my own money. So that was like, you know, kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. And this, you know, there's no concrete to bounce the bouncy ball on. And the kid bounces the ball and it hits a rock as there was only, cause I'm sitting there going like, this is not an ideal bouncy ball area mm-hmm. and feeling kind of bad and kind of upset that this gift that I had bought was gonna be a bomb. Mm-hmm. And these kids are grabbing all these brightly colored balls and they're super excited. And this one kid grabs the ball and throws it down the ground. And it hits a rock and goes off to who knows where. And the child, now an American child would have like cried. But a South American child in Mexico giggles with delight and believes it is now a game where you find your ball. 
-hmm. And I had enough Spanish that the kids were like, you know, mine's the pink one, mine's the green one. You know, I, I knew colors and they were delighted. And that was such a life-changing, humbling moment for me. And the other thing was having that instant friendship with you and Betsa Bay was you don't need language. You just need the heart. Yeah. And it completely expanded my life to how I connect with other people. And then your family helping my family, my family was able to help your family and the power of networking and staying connected and how that's blessed everyone's life involved. You know, it it, it does. You don't know how much you can impact other people's lives. Um, At times we, whenever we feel down or we feel that, okay, is it worth it? Um, you don't realize the impact that you do on people's lives just by, by, by existing, by being you, and by trying to do the best you can in your life. I, at least for me, that has been uh, a very impressive thing. When I look back and I think about how I was guided and how my life transformed in many ways, um, I can see things aligning very nicely to to where I am and I'm not, I don't know, I, 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 I can't support my family well and everything, but it's not like I'm this super rich guy, you know, it's, it's, right, it's right. one of those things where you learn to measure success, not by the standards of the uh, many people see it. I think that your success is, it comes when having, when you have peace of mind and when you enjoy the little moments in life that, make a difference you know yeah and the last time i went to mexico was in 2015 i went to surprise my dad for his birthday oh. and i love i love going to mexico um because after living here for so long you kind of get used to the thinking the culture and the the way of seeing things uh-huh. to mexico even though i grew up there um it's a good reminder it's a good perspective finder you know because you're like right. oh okay now i remember this Kind of like it, it kind of levels you to where you're like, yeah, I kind of take all these things for granted. Right. I mean, just driving yeah. down the road and seeing the lady holding her kid's hand while she's carrying this huge bundle, and you're like, oh, you know, like yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, a hard day to day life. And it's, it's interesting. Go yeah. Ahead. And it just, it's humbling. And then, you know, I think of some travel that I've done to other parts of the world and, it just, it makes me grateful that I have a place that I call home that gives me so many rights as, as a woman, um, you know, my rights to speak out. Um, you know, I have a, another family member that's from Mexico and this area that she's from, a bunch of young girls are disappearing and they're finding them dead in ditches. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me how it's literally tourism to go and hunt down and I don't even like to say it it makes me so upset you know because the the criminal justice system is so different there that people with a certain amount of power can get away with literally raping and killing people you know and you just kind of are like (laughs) you know and Mm -hmm. I know that America is not immune to that but um you know, we don't, it's, it's not common or what, I don't even know if that's the right word. Do you know what, you know what I'm trying to say, Ricardo? 
Yeah. Are I, you kind of calling you Ricardo? Because that's what I know you as an adult, and that's what that's you fine. have on social no media. Worries. Part of me wanted to say, no worries. <laughs> How are you one? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, what I've been learning. Uh, the few times I took my children uh, to visit family in Mexico. Um, the last time I took my kids, they were they were a lot younger. This was 2012, and I, I think my my oldest son is now 22, and he was about what eight, nine. And I remember that we were driving in the car with my family, and he asked me, "Dad, why do all the houses have walls all around them? Um, why do they have wire on the top of the, the walls, the fences?" Right, right. And why there's like, because uh, over there is very customary that they will do broken bottles with cement on the top of the wall. Right, right. People jump. And I told him, well, Ricky, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are not very honest here. And people do these to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And I could see kind of his wheels turning. And Jennifer, um, my daughter, was about, I don't know, seven. And I remember when they pick us up from the airport, we were driving, it was raining a lot. And then it calmed down and we went to some red lights downtown in Mexico City and there were kids selling things or kids cleaning the the, the windshields of the cars, you know? And she asked right. me, Dad, what are those kids doing? I'm like, they're working. And they're like, but they're, they're a little like me. I'm like, yeah, but they're working. So mm-hmm. it, it was kind of interesting to be able to explain to them that, um, the privilege to go the, to school. The, yeah. The, the privilege the, to learn. The, yeah. the, the blessings they have, the, the ability for them to do things. And and I think that has helped them even now. You know, when when my oldest daughter went to BYU, it was during the pandemic in 2020, and she was miserable. It was 2019, 2020, uh, freshman, and so uh, it was her freshman year, following winter. Anyway, she was struggling a lot, and she felt really lonely. And I remember that I shared with her kind of like my experience about leaving my family to come to get an education here and how at times I felt very lonely. At times I felt that I clashed with the culture and I had to sort of build my own network and I had to really understand how to make friends that grew up differently than me. And I told her, you know, you're very fortunate in a way because you're an hour away from home. And I told her, if I could do this, you could do this. Yeah. And, you know, I always try to. And and it's really interesting because when you think about coming to another culture, um, at least for me, I was very excited. But also it was challenging because people see, see life differently. Right. When I was at the English Language Center, I think it was a good transition because all of us were from a bunch of different countries. There was people from Europe, uh, people from South America, Central America, and uh, and it was really interesting, people from Japan and all that. We were all together in, in classes. And and I remember that everyone that were was a newcomer struggled with a culture shock. Right. Because for, for all of us during that time, as, as we were new in the culture and everything, the college environment was very different. Uh, at first, I was kind of surprised that I, I was in a university and people were in, uh, well, were in shorts and flip-flops. 
in Mexico City, when you go to a university, people dress us up really nicely. Well, so, it costs a lot of money to go. I, mean, I know. I, I mean, like, than, well, I mean, it's more expensive than a church school, but that's still that's still money. I know. And, and it yeah. was just really interesting, the type of conversations that I will have with the students from the U.S. and the type of conversations I have with international students and how they saw the world and everything. So I really enjoyed that experience because I was able to grow a lot more. I think that when you get to know people from other countries, you get a better sense of humanity and you get a better appreciation and openness to understand that everybody has a journey and they have different ways to see in the world and that is okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. even though for, for many of us at the beginning it was like at times I remember during during our breaks in between classes, it was like, oh man, I don't get these Americas, what the heck, you know? And it was a lot of conversations like that. But as I began to learn more about the culture, I began to open myself to get to know the people and understand them better. Um, when I went to Rick's College, I had uh, an experience that was a very good experience for me because he taught me a lot. Uh, I remember uh, that I was in a class and, and the teacher made some, some derogatory comments about Mexican people. and Made derogatory uh, comments? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, derogatory. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is that he put me on the spot because he also asked, because he told me, well, here you kind of have to accept the fact that you're going to be a second class citizen. What? I didn't know what to respond. You know, he tells me that and there's some students in the classroom. And then he asked to those students, don't you, wouldn't you agree? Um, what are they going to say to the teacher? You know, they're like wow. just kind of nod their heads, you know. I remember wow. that I finished my class and I ran to my apartment and I was in tears. And I just kneeled down and prayed like, God, help me love these people. Yeah, that's what I said, you know, well, it's such and, a sad, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I'm so upset because that's <laughs> one of the things that I think is so fantastic about America is that, you know, my parents had a certain economic level, mm-hmm. but because it is the law that I have to be educated here, they couldn't be like, no, we got to pull our kid out to work, which they did need me to work a lot more than my peers, which did affect me academically, but the point is I had free education. Yeah. My parents didn't have to pay for that. And it was sitting next to the doctor's kids, right? I got a great education and I was educated for free, you know, till the 12th grade. And that gave me the opportunity to, you know, look at entering into a different economic system, mm-hmm. which is why whenever we don't educate kids well, yeah. that I'm like, ah, because it shouldn't be like that in this country, because that's one of the great things about it. So to tell you when you're sitting there getting educated, that you're going to be a second class citizen. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of poopyism right there. Yeah. That makes me mad. And I was not happy, but you know, what is so interesting is that I learn and now professionally, um, I manage a team of 10 people and I'm expected to provide solutions and, and work with writers and with designers and all these different people. And I never, I just never approach people thinking, oh, I have an accent or I am Latino or whatever. I, I'm just me. 
Right. And I just go with it. And I feel that when it comes to the professional environment, my work is fixed for itself. And yep. when it comes to interpersonal relationships, I, I am just me, you know, I, I, I feel that once you are transitioning to another culture and you're learning the language, I remember that the first few years I experienced something that I struggled to be myself when I spoke English versus when I was speaking Spanish. It's almost like you had to sort of align your personality in both languages so you can come across equally when you communicate in both languages. So you don't, because at the beginning when you learn the language, you are, you're learning the language, simulating the language, but it's so elemental that it takes a little bit of work to then develop your personality in the new language. Right. And see, I always feel like that that's the one thing I've got going for me. I don't maybe speak the language, but I'm charming. And so I, I translate well, Mm -hmm. but maybe I just have that perception in my mind. (laughs) um, You know, I've had um, like one time I was um, when I was in Armenia, um, this is one of my most beautiful cultural travel experiences. There was somebody that was kind of following me that I wasn't sure if they were following me or, you know, and I stood out. I did not look like I belong. And there were some old men in the park, just like you would imagine in a, a, that part of the world, men sitting in the park playing chess, just, just like, like in the movies, just like that, you know, with their coats all huddled and their hats and their prior um, territory of Russia. So they had like the big Russian hats and everything. And there's this one man playing um, a accordion. I mean, can you see the scene? It's so charming, right? And so there was this man just kind of standing there. And I felt like, you know, these men will protect me if this guy has nefarious intent. And I was all by myself because, because I was. And um, so I went up with the guy and he was kind of like this to the music. And so I went up and I grabbed him like, you know, grab your partner, like a, like it was a square dance. And I grabbed him by the arm and started twirling him around. And he was, he, ah, you know, he was so happy. (laughs) And then other men came up and pretty soon I was dancing with like nine men and, you know, just having a great time and they're having a great time because they're all like 65 and, you know. And they're just loving it. And we're all just having this, these, they all came up and they kissed me on both sides of my cheek. And this man took a pin off of his coat and tucked it into my coat and has never been taken out. And these men were like my uncles. I -hmm. love these men. They loved me. And I knew that if anyone else was following me, all I had to do was go back to my, my uncles. And it was just going to be this beautiful thing, but we didn't need language. Just like you and I didn't need language to become friends. And so, but I know in our own minds, we feel like we're not connecting, but maybe because I had that experience at 13 of connecting without language, but you know, it's, it's very different when you're there, it's going to go on for months and months. And you're like, am I, am I still me? Cause everything's changed, you know? So I think you've always been charming, Ricardo. Oh, thank you, Lita. You're very nice. (laughs) 
you try. <laughs> Always been my friend. And I've, I've loved seeing the life that you've made. And I'm glad you did not believe that guy when he said the poopy thing that you were a second class citizen, because to me, that's um, that elitism is against what America was established to be. And um, yeah, it's a self-imposed that that's a that's an antiquated idea of based in probably poopyism and racism or something like that. But in America now, I mean, you, you can go to any state in our country and there will be a thriving Spanish speaking community. And I think that's awesome. Uh, I, I honestly just went for it. I, I, if anything I learned growing up in Mexico is that I don't easily take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. I prepare myself, I do whatever I need to do to achieve what I want to achieve and go for it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but then another door opens. Yeah. yeah um, well, that's life. We mm -hmm. don't always, we don't always knock out of the park and that's okay. And you know what is so interesting is that when you, um, when you begin to start uh, to feel comfortable in your own skin, then things happen. Um, Another thing that I kind of want to talk about a little bit is when we're talking about just other countries, but also cultures and adjusting is when I met my wife. It was interesting. My wife is born and raised in the Bay Area. Uh, she is American. Um, her ancestry, uh, Scottish, Irish, uh, British, and also from Spain, from some of the Spain. Oh, so cool. she's, she's brunette, brown eyes. You met her. A, a lot of people wish. I've met her many times. Yes. And when they see her next to me, they think she speaks Spanish because she looks like a Spanish, a Spanier woman. Kind of like how people think I'm Spanish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. So, um, but the interesting thing is, even though we both grew up in very different countries and cultures and different families, um, one thing that really helped us was that we both like to communicate. We both like to express how we think or feel. And I remember we were dating. Um, so funny because she didn't want to tell me that she was taking a marriage and family relations class. She, she, she signed up for that class. Um, I found out and then I registered for that class too. And it was the best thing that we could have done because we went to the class together. And yeah. it, 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 part of the assignments was to... Um, I remember when we were talking about marriage, uh, that one chapter, um, they, they asked us to write down what are we looking for in a spouse? Uh, what, and they basically told us, you need to talk about money. You need to talk about children and talk about all these things. And we got to have those conversations as part of the class, which now really- you were dating us. at this point or were you uh -huh. engaged at this point? We, so we, were, we were dating. We knew we were going to be engaged, but we were dating, you know, and I- uh -huh. If she was in the room right now, she might correct me. She might be saying, we were engaged, Ricardo. I don't know. I'm terrible to remember some of those things. Some, uh, but You were committed. We'll put we it were like committed. That. We were dating instantly. And I we feel dating that other people. You we were, were not dating, dating other people. We were just dating yeah. each other. And I, I really love having those conversations with her. And it's so interesting how many commonalities we have. Yeah. You know, belief system and uh, what we consider important. Uh, of course, we sometimes disagree, like everybody. Right. But honestly, being from another country was never an issue. Uh, it, it was something that 
was secondary. And the way that we raise our children, it's interesting because at times people have criticized me that my kids don't speak Spanish. Like my son went to Florida and his mission is Spanish speaking and he has an American accent. He had to learn the language and people will look at him because uh, all my kids are different shades and colors. So he's darker, not quite as dark as me or maybe about the same, but he, he looks like a mix, you know, but uh -huh. he looks Latino, you know, and I, the only thing is that he's a little taller than me, but anyway, <laughs> people were, because he was serving in Spanish speaking, all these, all these uh, people from Cuba, Venezuela, and all these other countries were like, your last name is Rosas, and you have an accent. What's the deal? Yeah, uh, let's be clear. You have an American accent. <laughs> yeah. so you don't have like the listeners might be like, well, Ricardo has Ricardo has an accent, but I do too. I say words, some words funny, but yeah. you, he had an American accent. Yeah, an American um, accent. Yeah. And he told me, Dad, a lot of people gave me grief because you didn't teach me Spanish when I was a little kid. <laughs> and I tried, but he would not respond in Spanish. Right. Like, kids learn the language that their friends speak. Right. And um, there, I feel bad because I was just teasing a young man who is also serving in this area. And his name is Elder Villarreal. So, I mean, that's a Hispanic name. And I was like, get on it. Get on Duolingo. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, he was teased a lot. But um, I, I, I feel that learning another language opens so many doors and allows you to connect with more people. And when it comes to how we raise our children, um, I sort of follow the lead with my wife because we wanted them not to feel that they don't belong here. We have some traditions from my country, uh, Christmas Eve dinner. I always make a Mexican Christmas dinner. Uh, we celebrate Wiseman Day on January 6th. Right. There are certain things that we do. I always listen to music in Spanish, so they're, they're used to listen to that. But um, there were some other things that I felt like, well, I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to uh, expect like Jennifer didn't want to have a quinceanera party because she she didn't grow up with that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I feel and that- A quinceanera party is a party that young women have when they're 15. Yeah. And back in the day, it would have been like their coming out party, right? Yeah. But now it's just like celebrating- Introduction to society, yeah. Yeah, but now it's just celebrating that they're a, a lovely young lady and- and they do yeah, a big party, they buy them. a fancy dress. And uh, even here in the States, some Latino families do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like to spend as much money as you will spend in a wedding. You know? Yeah, it's no, that year. we, Elsa wanted to have a quinceanera. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And I was like, one, you're blonde. <laughs> and two, <laughs> you can have a really nice 15th birthday. But it go. would be a little weird that just that you love the culture it would, you know, it'd be a little bit of appropriation maybe, but um, no, even if we did have a quinceanera party, we would not spend as much as we spent on a wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big deal in Latin culture. So yeah. there's, there's some things that, um, at least for me, it's a lot more important to understand where they're coming from, their ancestry, the stories from their grandparents, the stories from the family. And the blessing that we have is that all my siblings speak English. All of them. And all my nieces and nephews do speak English. Right, right. So they there's not this isolation with my kids and their cousins from from my side of the family. Um, 
that we feel very fortunate about that because a lot of times when family members don't speak the language, they don't feel as connected. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I um, I, I think a lot of families are, you know, you like you said, you didn't want your kids to not feel like they fit in. And I have a lot of friends that are, you know, I was just talking to a lady that, you know, was deaf and she felt like she didn't get a fit in because, and that wasn't a linguistic difference she could overcome, you know? So, I mean, we, we do, we do, but you are a very hands-on father. You have how many kids again? Six. Six. Okay. Cause I wasn't sure if it was six or seven, but your kids are all amazing and charactered and kind people, which I think is a reflection of the main thing you wanted to teach them, which was to be kind and loving and good charactered people. And you've done that. Thank you, Lita. Yeah. So, you know, you and your lovely wife. Okay. So we only got like a little bit left. I want to make okay. sure let do you want it i'm you can pick the topic because i know there's so many things about you but i want you to choose where we go because i don't want to like you know open something you're not ready to open (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i know things just like you know things about me like so you gotta choose where it goes because you know so you you know know, uh what i feel and i mean experiencing a lot uh, is how much we need to connect with each other yeah you know i I work a lot of the items that i do with messaging is is hopefully helping people to connect with each other um and another thing that i see about connecting with each other um is that as we connect with each other we can connect with deity Mm-hmm. And it, it is it's so interesting. I wrote something down. I'm like, I need to write these down so when I talk to Lita, I can share it. Uh, I'm loving this because is is there there's this isolation that has happened the last couple of years with COVID and the pandemic, and um, you know it's definitely really hard on people. Yeah, and it was our our devices you know, make it, make it hard. So if anyone's like with other people right now, listen to this podcast, take your earbuds out and talk to other people around you. Right. (laughs) And then come back to my podcast. Um, but you know, we have so many things distracting us from actually eyeball to eyeball communicating, just like you were with your wife, you know, being able to, um, really connect on a real level and the foundation that gave you for your marriage and your life. Yeah, I wrote this um, because to me, connections with others is that connection with deity. And I wrote this, uh, I call it sensitivity to the divine. And I wrote in here, it requires to develop the ability to hear that inner feeling in our soul, to have the sensitivity in us or within us to recognize how God speaks to us. Oh, okay. Say that again. I want to hear it again. So it's... um, I put it here, sensitivity to the divine. It requires us to develop the ability to hear that inner feeling in our soul, to have the sensitivity within us to recognize how God speaks to us. I love that because again, it's with within the the, within, mm-hmm. the inner journey, the inner thing. I think that's one of the reasons you're such a great dad. You know, like I said, I know different challenges your kids have had and things like that and different um, obstacles other than just, you know, yeah being half hispanic and yet they just seem so connected with what's really important 
And so I think that was you teaching them. That was you teaching them, you know, don't be about what appearances say or what people judge you for. Be, be that person inside, really be that person. And I feel like that's kind of what that quote saying too, about connecting with God is God's within us and and meets us where we are. And it's impossible to connect with God, whatever your belief system is, in isolation or emotionally isolated or not connecting with others because it's through others that you find that connection. Mm. And, and at times, people cannot identify that because many times people would rather be by themselves or not connecting. But we are social beings. Uh, we, we all need acceptance, love, and understanding. And the best experiences that I had is when I build relationships and that there is this reciprocity about giving and be given. Yes. I think that that's what helps you to connect more. Um, another, another thing that made me think about that is the experience that my family and I experienced back in 2014. Um, in 2014, uh, a company, I don't know if you want me to say the name of the company or not. You but, can, if, if, you, if you feel good about it or not. I'm fine. I'm, it's not like I'm promoting them, but I was really surprised. Um, Vivint has a uh, um, uh, humanitarian arm called Vivint Gives Back, and they contacted us because they knew that we had two autistic children through another friend that worked there. See, I didn't want to like say the autistic word if you didn't want me to. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that because I love my kids for who they are. So that's right. not an issue. But you know, I I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's a podcast. I, know. So I wanted you to I have know. choices. I yeah. didn't want to like all of a sudden like throw out something and be like, Lita. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I, I have been asked a few times, like, oh, don't you feel sad that your kids experience this experience? I'm like, I don't think it that way. Right. Because these are your children and you love them and you've raised yeah. them with no, I mean, you've raised them from what I can see to not be people like, oh, I have this excuse, this thing that holds me back. Because you've lived with, this is the character that I want. And these are the things I have to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And have made deep sacrifices, including moving to another country yeah. to, to get there yeah. and have held yourself to a moral standard that a lot of people probably would be like, have a hard time wrapping their mind around. And that has reflected in the character of your children, for sure. That's what I really hope. And I brought the whole thing about women because they... They took us to, they came to us, met us, and then they're like, oh, we are helping families with autistic children. Can, can we look at your kid's bedroom? And I thought that they were going to buy them a new bed or get them toys. Long story short, they, they said, well, you feel comfortable if we put you in a hotel for eight days and up to 50 people work in your house. <laughs> Would you feel comfortable? <laughs> I was like, um, and they asked me what furniture. What I like furniture? the hotel part, the 50 people part. Let's, <laughs> let's talk more about what that is. <laughs> and they, they asked me, what furniture uh, are you attached to? I was like, well, we like our couch. <laughs> but yeah, they, they put us in a hotel for eight days and it was like a whole extreme home makeover. When we came okay. back, we came back to more than 50 plus people in the house and they were celebrating us and they were just given. And we're talking a total redo. I mean, flooring, whole house? flooring uh, doors, some windows, carpeting, 
moving walls, all new bathrooms, new kitchen. I mean, it was overwhelming. And that's what I meant by connections because I was able to emotionally connect to the service and the love of these people that work in my house for eight days, total strangers. And I have never felt that amount of love in my life. And I thought, I wonder if this is just a little scratch of how God loves us. Of how what is? If you saw like a little portion, like you're scratching the surface of how much God loves you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because it was pretty overwhelming. And to see them all very happy and you can see how they felt fulfilled to be able to help us. And it's not like my house was falling apart. Uh, but you but know, what's so crazy, it, Ricardo, is I feel like I follow you pretty closely, but I'm like 2015, I was traveling four to five times a month. It was 2014. So, um, yeah, I was traveling a ton then. There was about a seven year period that we just kind of, but I missed this. I did not know this. And I yeah. love the events. I'm glad you shout them out. See, it's so good. I just opened it up to you. Um, honored your family and you know, the, the autism thing that's going there and said they wanted to do something awesome for you. I love this. Now you're going to have to send pictures. Oh, well, you might put it in Facebook. I'll send you the link to the album. Okay. Sounds good. I love uh, it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, that's what I meant. Uh, we, we live in, the, in, in this time and age where people are always arguing with each other, where people use social media to argue and I mean, we can always agree to disagree and everybody have different opinions on things, but um, connecting with others and generally building those relationships, I feel is the best way to grow closer to each other and to God. And to me, that has helped me a ton. And whatever our differences are, Mm -hmm. being a different culture, um, different language, whatever it is, we can overcome that through communicating. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's interesting too, how service, you know, you were overwhelmed by the love that they gave, but as they were working on your home, I mean, I, I was a maid for many, many years and you kind of learn a lot about people when you're um, doing their laundry, (laughs) cleaning their home. Right. And, um, they, they, they truly did love you. I would imagine because they were giving so much effort. And it's interesting that service is a way that we, you know, that every modality will tell you to be a happier person is to find a way to serve and to give back. So I love it. Yeah, it, it definitely impacted my life. And there's something that in my own way with my own resources or even within my work and what I do, uh, I always try to, hopefully give back to someone and help. You do. You do, my friend. Well, I love that our story started with um, your family serving my family and his, like all this service that has happened and all this connection and to never be poopy and discount anyone because you never know how not only you can help them, but how, you know, you might, you might need to, you might need that connection in your life. So thank you for staying up till 3 a.m. and talking with me. Oh, likewise. More than once. (laughs) You're an amazing friend and I love you a ton. I love you too, my friend. Thanks for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. Thank you, my friend, Ricardo Rosas. Thank you, Lita.
The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.